and welcome to the big topic in women's MMA. Frank Posen here along with uh, Schwan Humes ready to talk about this week's women's MMA, mostly in the UFC, but we're also going to talk a little bit about it. Vicka. Okay, so uh, don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com and also uh, my other podcast, Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast, which I did on Tuesday. All right. So talk about uh, uh, this weekend's, this past weekend's UFC, first of all. And I want to point out that all five of the match videos are up on my blog. A lot of uh, downloading of videos, you might say. Okay. Uh, the first fight we're going to talk about is uh, uh, Ashley Yoder over uh, Miranda Granger by unanimous decision. And I hated this fight. Oh, God. So let me t- talk about the way I scored it, first of all. In round one, uh, I scored it marginally for Miranda, 10-9. I mean, it wasn't much happening, but just a little bit more. Round two, neither of them did much of anything. And so I scored the round 9-9. And Michael Bisping kept talking about how Jason Herzog was warning both fighters, you know, to do more. And they weren't doing anything, so that's why he was warning them, all right? So round three, Ashley won the round. The judges scored it 10-8. I scored it 10-9. I didn't think it was quite a 10-8. And so I scored the fight a draw. Meanwhile, you had Chris Lee scoring a 30-26 for Ashley. So the judges did a poor job. I thought it was a shitty fight, and I didn't care who won anyway. So lay it on me, Sean. Well, it was it was a low level fight, um, partly because Granger is she's fairly inexperienced, she's fairly young, she's still finding her her way, getting her feet underneath her. In the case of Yoder, Yoder's been around the UFC for a while. She's fought a pretty decent level of opponent. Um, She still hasn't bought into the identity of who they want her to be or where her strengths are, Um, and that that's what ultimately led to the fight being lackluster. Yoder had a clear advantage in the wrestling, had a clear advantage in the grappling, and whether it's because a lack of confidence or a lack of awareness, instead of searching for finishes or trying to, to, to pile up damage, even if you're not trying to finish this piling up damage, she was seeking the control. And she was light years ahead of Granger on the ground. And as soon as her team yelled at her and she came in for that third round, she dominated her. I mean, it wasn't like a punishing domination, but she was outpositioning her, she was controlling her, she was threatening with submissions. And she had that ability to do that at any point in the fight. So the onus falls on Yoder for not taking advantage of the skill advantage and the experience advantage she has Granger. Granger's aggressive. Granger's tough. But Granger needs work. I don't really think she's ready for UFC level right now. No. She's been around long enough. They shouldn't have to freaking yell to get her to do stuff. You know, she's an awful fighter. You know, if that's what it is, enough. I don't want to talk about this fight no more. <laughs> All right. So then we had um, Corey McKenna uh, over um, over um, Kay Hansen by unanimous decision. A lot of folks, including myself, thought that Kay won the fight. And the problem was round one. So... Uh, I thought Kay won the round 10-9, but uh, Corey does what she does later. She has this little burst at the end, and 
the judges gave her the right kick. So in round two, she won that round, I thought. Round three, K won as well. But the problem was all three judges let her let Corey steal the round, round one. And I do not like round two at all. I just I just don't believe in it. And uh, I I thought K won the fight. And she did too. But I think, like you said, they, uh, I think what we're talking about is that maybe her coaching was a little off on it. Yeah, I, I just felt like I knew that McKenna was going to fight. In, McKenna fights in spots. That's what she does. She's not a great athlete. She's not physically dominating. She can't just dominate a fight through physicality. She doesn't have great wrestling. She can't dominate through wrestling. She can't dominate through grappling. She can't dominate through striking. What she does is she comes out in these huge bursts of offense to basically turn the fight in her favor. And then there's moments where nothing's happening. So to me, a judge should be smart enough to understand what somebody's doing as far as stealing the round. You should understand they didn't really do anything in 10 seconds unless you drop somebody or stun someone badly. doesn't make up for four minutes and 50 seconds of domination or control. But the fact of the matter is, you're as a corner and as a camp, it's your job to prepare your fighter for everything that opponent might do. And you could tell me, if you would have told me that she hits a flying armbar, that would be shocking. If you would have told me that she's going to try and steal rounds or come out really hot early and, and finish the rounds really hot late, you can see that in her video. You can see that in her fight. So that means you've dropped the ball in preparing your fighter for that opponent. You should have seen that. I could have told you that was going to happen. And I would have told you, but I get tired of doing these camps jobs for them. They don't pay me for it. So I ain't giving nobody any tips. But I would have told you that would have happened. They weren't prepared for it, and it cost their fight. Should it have cost her the fight? No. But it did because they weren't prepared for it. All right. Uh, like I said, the judging all night was terrible. So not particularly surprised. Okay. Then we have uh, Conoco Barada, uh, one over um, uh, Randa Barcos by unanimous decision. And uh, I wasn't surprised by this. Conoco is already an elite wrestler. Proof of striking. She can be an elite fighter in this division, but you know the jury's still out on that. Yeah, um, given her physical tools, I think she has a great future ahead of her. She's athletic. She's strong. I think she has some durability. My concern is with her her reach and her height that she's got to find better ways to get those entries. Randa Marcos is very unstructured. Her game is kind of hodgepodge put together because her team's leaning on her, her athleticism and her aggression and her conditioning for the better part of her career. So she doesn't have technical answers for when she gets in certain spots. She doesn't know how to get away using pivots and angles and use a jab to keep you off her and lower your stance. All the basic stuff you should know how to do, she doesn't know how to do it. So Murata is getting to spots and getting entries that she wouldn't get against even a mildly competent fighter. So she's going to have to develop herself past that point. But the fight went the way I wanted to. I thought it would go. And I'm very impressed with her. She she did what she was supposed to do. She dominated a very tough but limited fighter. Most people don't dominate Marcos. They just have tight fights with her. That fight wasn't close from the word go. So it's on to the next thing. And I just I just hope they continue to develop her because she can't keep on like this moving forward. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and uh, you know, Fitzgibbon is a good coach. So he knows what he has to do. Okay, we had uh, two. He's got a talented athlete, Olympic level. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we had two fights on Tuesday's contender series. The first one had was at um, uh, uh, flyweight. Is it flyweight or strawweight? I think it was strawweight actually. Uh, Gloria De Paula 
over um, Pauline Macias by uh, unanimous decision. And this again went pretty much what the way I thought it would go. Gloria, the only thing was Gloria didn't get a finish. It seems like she was concerned about that as well. She wanted to be in the conflict, right? She was talking about it in a post-match interview where she was worried about getting a finish because she wanted the contract, right? Okay, well, she got it anyway. Yeah, the UFC, they're just trying to get rid of more expensive contracts and bring in cheaper fighters who they can build and who are going to be more beholden to them. As you stay with an organization and things happen, you see fighters like, you know, Lauren Murphy's been there for a while and they complain and they start speaking out because they've gotten comfortable with, or they've gotten on a win streak. UFC doesn't like dealing with that, so they're trying to find fighters to replace other fighters in other divisions. Um, she looks good. I thought she was trying to force the, the submission, and I get it. She's trying to get the contract. But I'm one of those people who believes you just fight to win and you let whatever happens happen. Because when you're that eager to finish for a contract or for nothing, you can, you, you can open up yourself to being finished. And imagine if she went for some kind of finish or sub, ends up getting reversed and finished. How, how stupid would she feel? So I thought she's good, not great. And she, she's another person who's got to work on her striking because against a better athlete, she's not going to be able to get to those spots, get those takedowns, or have that control that she had in that fight. That's what I was thinking too. Her striking is not that great. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's fairly typical of shootbox fighters. Okay, and she trains it. Yes. She trains a shootbox. So the tri- striking tends to be... It's more aggression than technique. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And her, her girlfriend is the same way. So, I don't know. We'll see. I, I think she's got potential, though. And she looks good. That's another thing. But anyway, the other uh, fight on this on Tuesday's show, that Victoria Leonardo beat uh, Chelsea Hackett by um, uh, second-round TKO. And Victoria is a uh, uh, invictive veteran from Shreveport, Louisiana. She was trained by her husband, Brent Mason. Chelsea is interesting because she's 22 years old from uh, Melbourne, Australia. She's trained by her father, Jeff Hackett. She's primarily a Muay Thai champion. We saw what happened on the ground. She doesn't have what it takes to beat this at this point. This, her ground game, she has nothing. Okay? That, that's how you beat her. Yeah. Um, I think her dad did a well enough job. Obviously, she's a high-level striker. He's done a good job developing her and getting her ready to compete at that level because – to, to, to compete at a level, you have to not just have talent. You have to have a certain drive, a certain attention to detail, a certain focus and growth as, your, as far as your technique. It seems that he's hit a wall. He, she's hit a wall as far as her development as a grappler and as a wrestler. She doesn't have ability to transition between those things defensively or offensively. And for her to have real success in, the, in, in mixed martial arts, she's going to have to learn to wrestle and grapple or at least defensively grapple and wrestle long, long enough to where she can put wins together. Right now, I don't think she's UFC level. And, and as we've talked about before, it's another fighter who might need to expand her, her learning circumstances and her situation so that she can get better sparring so that she's used to certain positions. She's used to fighting somebody or sparring people who can put her in positions as she wants to be. Because I'm of the impression that at her training, where she trains, she's one of the better people. People aren't tapping her. People aren't beating her up. She's having her way. And you're not going to always have your way in a fight. And you need to learn how to react when you're not having your way. So I, I think she might need to expand, bring in better sparring or, or go somewhere else and, and, and learn the overall craft of mixed martial arts. The striking's already there. 
but she has such a gap in her gra- grappling that it's not going to be Well, we've seen a lot of uh, Aussie fighters move to the U.S., and that's what I'd like to see her do because I think she'll just get better coaching, um, you know, depending on where she goes and stuff. Like, that really doesn't make much of a difference to me. But I just, you know, there's plenty of tips in Las Vegas, so pick one, you know. So that's kind of how I would think. She just has to find a coach that she has good chemistry with. You know, I like you said, I think that... Well, she's also has to find a coach. Go ahead. Go ahead. She'll, she'll have to find a coach because I'm sure her, her dad's not going to bail out completely. So she's going to have to find a coach who's okay with her dad well, being a part right, of the process. But I don't think that's that big an issue. The issue is you want to be a better fighter. And the way for her to be a better fighter is to leave Australia. Okay. Because we've seen it before. We've seen that with Japanese fighters as well. Okay. The training in many cases isn't good enough to have to move. Okay. All right, let's go on to uh, there's an Invictus show on tomorrow night. Now, we're only going to talk about the first two fights on the card, the top two fights, because, you know, the undercard is mostly fighters that we haven't heard of. Some of them are Invictus. Anyway, the main event of this show. That's Invictus for you. Well, that's part of what they're doing is developing um, newcomers and that sort of thing. Um, The main event was supposed to be. Pro Gonzalez versus uh, Eric Blanchfield for the Invicta Flyweight Championship. Uh, Pearl tested positive for COVID-19. So the new fight that is going to headline is going to be Emily Ducote versus uh, Montserrat Ruiz for the Invicta Strawweight Championship. And uh, I guess they want Ducote to win. I'm not crazy about the fight. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's a tough thing because they had to make a change, right? Yeah, um, I think this is a showcase for Dakota and hopefully a springboard to the UFC. I'm not disrespecting your opponent, but you look at their records, one person's face, at least decent to world class opposition. One person's been very active, the other person hasn't, and um, I, I just think this is supposed to be a showcase fight. Now, Emily Dakota could lose it. Because the fight, the style she's using now, it, it makes her very vulnerable to getting countered or, or, or punished. But the fact of the matter is she, she's a better class of fighter. And she's fought a better class of fighter. And if she loses this fight, it's really she needs to really re- reconsider some things. But I expect her to win. I expect this to be a showcase okay, fight for her. Okay, the is interesting. Because what we've got is Taylor Harrison coming over from PFL. And she's going to face Courtney King. Courtney King will just get rid of her right off the top. She's like a dirty, dirty woman or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I've seen her before, and she's a minor league fighter, okay? But she's a good opponent to, to test out uh, Kayla in this case because Kayla is – she's fought in PFL at, uh, at lightweight, 155, and now she's dropping to uh, a featherweight, 145. A few years ago – the Olympics was talking about how a medical condition would not allow her to come to 145, but that's obviously changed. And she um, uh, she uh, made weight. Um, you know, she she's inexperienced. That's the problem. She hasn't faced good enough competition 
to know if she's really any good or not. And the other thing about her is I think she needs to control her emotions better in the cage. Like when things don't quite go the way she wants them to go, she gets really frustrated. And she can't do that because it's going to end up costing her to get somebody good. Okay. The other thing is, in, in, in interviews, she's talking already about going to the UFC. I don't know how far she, how, what, how far she wants to stay in the NFL, but there's a lot of money for her there. You know, so it's kind of, she's kind of torn. Um, you know, uh, she's training in ATT, so she's getting uh, a good training. And she's got elite skills. She needs to put it all together against better fighters. She hasn't done that yet. Well, luckily, she's fighting at featherweight. There's going to be very few and far between fighters. I mean, basically, it's like a handful of people. Cyborg, Amanda Nunes, um, Julia Budd, maybe. I guess maybe if Holly Holm moved back up to 45, maybe even Duran Duran, I mean, to a certain degree are pretty much the only real competition she would face. you got a couple outliers, like maybe a Katz and Ghana, who's got the ability to hurt her, but lacks the kind of the skill and the poise to really do so. So she's just been able to get by on athleticism. Yeah. Uh, I, I just know what Spencer does with somebody like Harrison, though. I mean, she's good, she's good enough grappler, but I don't know what she does. I don't know how she can get her to where she needs to get her. Um, I, I think Harrison's been getting by on talent. She's been getting on aggression and talent. And, and that's been enough, and it's going to be enough for most of the, the fighters. That's why she's allowed to make the mistakes she makes as far as getting frustrated and, and kind of chasing certain things because she's so far ahead of people that they can't make her pay. But the thing about it is I would like her corner to rein that in now. Like you said, even against a faded cyborg, you get too aggressive and looking for a finish, you might catch one. And we've really never seen Kayla Harrison take a shot from even a decent puncher. We have no idea well, she can take a punch. And, and when it's live gonna, with the four-ounce gloves. We, we, she, we're not going to there's there's a lot of there's a lot of obvious potential and i can see why she wants to go to the ufc i see why she wants to expand her brand and she's making this this leap forward but the fact there's a lot of questions it's just nobody's been a good enough athlete to ask those questions and until she faces it we're never going to know who she is and what she's really about but um i i get what she's trying to do she's trying to stay busy and stay in the public eye so she can build her brand and extend her potential to make money. Cause that's what it's really about at the end of the day. Not right, She's going to have money. two fights in Invicta. And then I presume she's going back to PSL. Okay. To win another million dollars. Cause nobody that they have is going to be. Yeah, that's true. Maybe, maybe they're trying to get a closer a division, smaller where they can have uh, maybe, more legitimate competitors. I mean, maybe. moving up from 40, Works better than moving up from okay. 55. Let's go on to 55, which is uh, and let's start with uh, uh, Valentina Shevchenko defending her UFC flyweight championship against Jennifer Maya. And there ain't no way that Jennifer Maya wins this fight, she doesn't have the skills to beat Valentina. And Valentina will be heavily favored. It's just a fluke that Jennifer got this. Let's blame it on John Wood and JoJo Calderwood. How about that? Yeah, I, I wish I could say that. And, and on paper, it's clearly the better athlete, the more experienced fighter, fought the better opposition, had the better wins, and the better striker. That's all well and good. But coming from where I come from and what I do as far as helping fighters, my job is to find the avenues where the fighter can have success. 
Maya is durable. Maya is one of the bigger and stronger fighters in the division. While Valentina can get, get position and maybe get some throws on her, in theory, she should not be able to control her and ragdoll her the same way she did with people like Jessica I, Cachoeira, or uh, or Kaitlyn Chukagan. That really shouldn't be possible because Maya is a much more physically imposing fighter. Secondly, Maya does have some boxing kills. They're basic, but Maya is not afraid to be aggressive and to hunt for her shots and to look for her shots. Valentina hasn't faced anybody who's willing to, who's really coming to land on her. Now, the thing about it is you're going to take punishment. You have to risk having your career ruined or being highlight reeled because Valentina is the expert counterpuncher who's going to look crisp and sharp and, and lighting you up. But the only way you have a chance against fighting someone like that is to either A, fight him at range and outclass him, which isn't going to happen, or B, walk through some fire and get some work done. I believe Maya is capable of walking through some fire and having some moments. And the last thing, regardless of whether you think it's a fluke, regardless of if you think that, that Maya's garbage on the ground, the fact of the matter is Maya did have a top five through seven fighter take her down in an advantageous position, in a posi- position she usually dominates from, and she gained control of it, countered, and finished her from the bottom. Valentina hasn't faced anybody yeah. capable of doing that before. Even a blind, even so, a, when Valentina listen, gets these takedowns and she opens up, I just don't. She has like, well, even uh, even a clock, even a clock. Yeah, clock but twice a day. What did she get that? What did she find that up? She has to do it again. She's never done it. Schwan, I've been watching her since 2011. Okay, it's the first time she ever did that, and she'll never do it again. And I'd also add, Valent- Valentina Shevchenko has had exactly one submission victory in her career. And the only reason either of these fighters got a submission victory is that the other, the opponent, screwed up. And that's the only reason. That's true. But that's my point. In knowing that there's a threat, people attack Valentina differently because they know that if you get too haphazard, she can finish you. Valentina knows if she gets too haphazard, she could be finished, so she's going to approach Maya with a different approach because physically she can't just throw around. And technically, there is, even if it's a small threat, there is a threat that did not exist with Home, with I, with Chukagan, even with Nunez. She has to, she has to be cognizant of it. That's all, all I'm right, saying. Let's go on to the next one. The next one is also a slot. Caitlin Chukagian against Cynthia Calvillo. Now, we were talking about this uh, a couple weeks ago. Cynthia says that, uh, you know, she's supposed to fight Aaron Murphy. Uh, and uh, Lauren Murphy, I should say. She's supposed to fight Lauren Murphy. She tested positive for COVID-19. They were going to reschedule it. And then Lauren decided she didn't want to wait. And uh, we were talking about that. And I think what it was... Lauren is uh, managed by her husband. So I don't know if her husband. No, no she hired a manager. He's not her manager, her manager now. No, she hired managers she now. She actually has legitimate management. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, it was probably a mistake, you know, because then she fought somebody lesser and now she's a point. Okay. If she'd have fought Cynthia, Cynthia, that would have done her some good. So the question is, who's going to win this fight? So we got Cynthia Calvillo, who is a, a striker, or sorry, she's a wrestler, uh, not a great wrestler. 
She used to train at Alpha, Team Alpha Male, but she's now down in San Jose at um, uh, AKA, right? So she's down at AKA. AKA. So we'll see what AKA? kind of good they've done for her, if any. And with Caitlin, <laughs> we know what we're going to get. We're going to get keep away. That's what she does. Didn't work last time about this, this did And now she's coming back. And this whole thing about her retiring. Anyway, the point is, the point is, yeah, the, I, I think I, Caitlin I, has a chance to win this fight. I think she does too. I mean, her style of keep away and throwing the volume. If, if Caitlin was just a little bit more accurate, she'd win a lot more fights because she'd be able to score and get away. The problem is she misses a lot and then she gets away. And, and missing, she allows her opponent to build momentum because they know they're not really going to pay a price. One, she's not hitting them. And two, even when she does, she's not really stepping in for full power of the shot. She's trying to hit you and get out, which takes away from the power of her shots. Um, to be honest, Calvillo is a fairly simplistic striker. She's more of a counter striker herself, which can make this fight really boring. The, the big strength Calvillo has is in wrestling exchanges. She's not really great at cutting off the cage. She's not really great at throwing in combination. She's good when she gets into wrestling exchanges or grappling exchanges where she can scramble, search for hunt for submissions, or get a position and then hunt for a submission. That's pretty much her, her key strength. Um, I think AK is going to make her a little bit more aggressive. I think they're going to work on her offensive wrestling and pressure a little bit. And I, I think if she gets Chukagan to the ground, I, I think she's pretty much going to have her way. I, I don't know that Chukagan's a, a dominant enough force on the feet to really win it, but she has enough to, what she always to maybe does. outpoint her. Um, I tend to think that Chukagan's trying to cash out. Here's the deal I think, with I think Chukagan's trying to cash out. Her striking needs to be better just to set up. Okay. And I don't know if it is. Well, you don't you don't need much against Chukagan because she's so jittery. I mean, Jessica I basically Jessica I basically beat her with a big right hand and takedown attempts. If you're telling me that Cynthia Calvillo can't imitate what Jessica I did to her, and and Chukagan hasn't gotten much better. In fact, now Chukagan tries to wrestle people when they start pressing her on the feet. And if she engages in a wrestling match with Calvillo Calvillo, I think we'll submit her. She's just a better scrambler, better in transition with submissions. The the biggest issue is I think I, I think Chukagan is starting to cash out. I think she realizes she's coming to the end of her line and she's just trying to take as many fights. And if it works in her favor, great. If it doesn't, it's just another payday for her to take. But I really don't think she has it anymore. And um, I think Calvillo is on a bit of a run. And Calvillo has to know how important this fight is. She wins this fight. She's right She's right in the driver's seat or in the passenger seat for a title shot. She loses it. She goes all the way to the back of the line because Shukagan got dominated by Andrade, got dominated by Valentina. And, and and lost to Jessica I. So that win over I will mean nothing. And this what, is a very important fight for Calvillo to win. If Calvillo does not win this, this is a wins. big, big setback. If, you, if Caitlin wins, nothing really happens. She still got crushed by Andrade. She might have to fight Lauren Murphy again. She's not going to get a yes. title shot. This, not, this isn't going to move her any further ahead because she's already gotten dominated by the champ. She gets beat by the number one contender. Who, what are they going to do? Have her fight Andrade again, who just stopped her? Have her fight Valentina, who stopped her? No. At best, she'll get Lauren Murphy. At okay, best, the third fight, we have Antonina Shevchenko. And who's she fighting again? I can't remember. Oh, God. oh man, I forgot. Let me look real quick. UFC. 
I told you know I almost forgot that she was I almost forgot that she was fighting on this card until you until you just now mentioned it. Fight card, Antinette, ah, she is fighting that's, that's, that's Ariana Lipsky. Oh, this could be taught. This could be awful. Okay, so here's the deal. Okay, we all know who Antonina is. She's Valentina's older sister. They train together, and of course, the reason they're on the same card is just to do it, right? But she's not a UFC caliber fighter. She does not belong to this. Does the same things her sister does. She's not as good at it. Not even close. Ariane, yeah, that, yeah. That. doesn't have the athleticism. Ariane, okay, she's a Brazilian. We all know she made her name uh, KSW in Poland, and then she came to the UFC and she lost her first two fights, but she's won her last two. So maybe she's turning it around. Well, that's the who problem. She, who okay. she won him against, so, that was the question. Antonina is probably a bit of a step up in competition for her, but not that big a step up. All right? And the last win she got, no. her opponent was so dopey, she didn't even know she was losing. <laughs> and that was, that was funny. So uh, I'm not a big uh, fan of Antonina Shinchino. I don't Yeah, um, Shevchenko, the biggest, like I said before, she's like Valentina in theory, but Valentina has a meaner streak. Valentina's got a little, little bit better of a grappling execution, and she's she's just a better athlete. Valentina and Antonina can hit you with the same shot, but the effect when Valentina hits you and the effect when Antonina hits you was worlds different. And also, on the, in, in the same regard, uh, it's the same difference when physicality and durability. You hit you hit Valentina with certain shots, she comes right back. You put your hands on Valentina, she ties you up and throws you. Um, I saw Antonina get bullied by Roxy Modafari. I mean, who gets bullied by Roxy Modafari? I mean, it, it, it blew my mind that that actually happened. Um, I think it'll be, it won't be a great fight. It'll be competitive because Lipsky, she seems to have had a hard time adjusting to the grappling and facing comparable athletes. She's used to just running through people and dominating them and exploding and having her way. And since she's been in the UFC, she's not been nearly as explosive, nearly as violent, nearly as savage as she's been in other organizations. And um, I think yet again, and against um, Shevchenko, she'll be the more physical fighter, but she won't have the clean entries and opportunities on the feet. Because if anything else, Shevchenko is limited athletically, but she's still a decent striker. And unless Ariana Lipsky is willing to push a pace and walk through some heat, which I don't know that she's really willing to do, bite down and really walk through, it could be kind of a sl- a slog of a fight um, where it's going to be a decision on one end or the other. It depends on who has the biggest moment, and I can't really go by who because neither one of them has performed well when they fa- when they stepped up to the level of opposition. So now they're both stepping back up. Well, I guess Shevchenko stepping down because she fought Chukagan before, but it's still a pretty high level of competition for them, and they don't I perform think well when they face people good overrate Antonina because of her sister. Ever guys been asking about that the last couple of days? Yeah, I mean, I mean that people. A lot of people ask me. They're like, you know, what's the difference? Why can't she do the same things? And it's they think because it's the same thing to have with Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz. People have thought yeah. that Nate was like Nick, and Nate doesn't really fight like Nick at all. There's some similarities, but there's a whole bunch of differences. And it's the same thing with Antonina. She's she has the the general template of what Valentina does, but she does it with less less athleticism, less aggression, 
And that's what really the difference. It's not a skill difference. It's one's more durable and one's more athletic. And when you don't have that athleticism or that durability, it changes how you fight, yeah. especially when you know some, well, somebody's I've, a threat to hit you back. And that's all the difference is. What I've always Valentina said, knows she can take it. Valentina can make you they do the same things, but that Antonina just doesn't do them as well. You know, that's about it. Yeah. At the core of it, that, that's basically it. At the core of it, that's it. They've got the same skill set generally, but one of them dominates right. people with it, and one of them can barely that's get about by it. anybody. You got anything else you want to bring up, uh, Schwan? Oh, no, sir, dude. That was a, I just had fun talking WMMA. So rarely do you get to have intelligent discussion uh, about it. People go off on their little tirade, so it's good okay. to be able to have a chance well, to talk anyway, like I said, uh, Don't forget to check out my blog at frankdc16.blogspot.com. All the UFC videos go up on my blog the next morning, okay, uh, after the fights. I'm not telling where I get them, but I do get them, <laughs> okay? And uh, what I do is I, de- I, I uh, upload them to my blog directly. So I mean, if I put them up on YouTube, they get taken down. But they go up on my blog, so nobody can touch them, right? Anyway, uh, do that. Also check out my other podcast, um, yep. Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast. Uh, I just put up today the video for uh, last night's uh, NXT match, Io Shirai defending against... Uh, Leo Ripley, it was a great match. I'm going to talk about it on next week's podcast, but uh, you really need to check out that video. It is a fantastic match. Leo Shirai is so good. If you have any questions or comments for my blog, my podcast, you can leave uh, them in voicemail. And if you'd like to subscribe to my podcast, you can do so. Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk to you later.